over this like start of 2021, we've been thinking about a rule of life. We've been thinking about this idea of having foundations, strong foundations in the middle of our life. We've been talking about these different parts of what it means to be a human being. We've talked about work. We've talked about rest. We've talked about activity. We've talked um, about relationships. Last week, we spent uh, some time talking about prayer. And today, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to bring it all together, and we're going to talk about worship, which gives us the shape gives us the structure of all these different parts of who we are as um, human beings. Um, but I don't know, when you think of the word worship, I wonder what like, comes immediately um, into your minds. Um, here's some pictures, just really quickly. This is if you Google worship, these are some of the things that comes up. Yeah, a few laughs in the room on a few of those. I don't know which of those feel like worship, which of those are a bit strange, which of those are a bit jarring to you. You know, is, is worship about our whole lives? Is worship about church services? Is it about whole stacks of people gathering together? Is it about singing? Is worship an industry? Is worship a lifestyle? Like, what even is worship? And how does worship fit into this thing that we're talking about over these weeks, a rule of life? So that's this morning's question. That's what we're going to be doing. And then we're going to do a bit of time to practice and to enjoy the presence of God together. But um, we're going to have our reading in just a second. But as we do, just a reminder that I have the live chat up here. Uh, if you have a sense that God has got something to say for us today, feel free to put it in the chat and I'll pick it up from there. Or if you want to comment, heckle, uh, whatever you want to do, uh, do feel free to keep interacting us, with us using Using the chat this morning. So let's get our reading for today. Very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, uh, Regis. I've got no idea where you found that much water in LA. It's not rained for what feels about 500 years now. So Regis found the only water that's still available in LA County. If you want to go and talk to him, he'll tell you where it is, I'm sure. So. Um, the word worship actually comes from an old English, or the English translation it does, comes from an old English word, worth-ship. It means to ascribe or give something its absolute highest status, to give it and ascribe it all of the honor and beauty and things that are due to it. So um, if I said to you this morning, hey, Dodgers are the best baseball team in the world, um, Scott Summers has got his LA Dodgers cap on right now. Um, I'm making a statement. Now, you can disagree with my statement um, if you want to. You'd be wrong, but you can disagree with it. Dodgers won the World Series, so we have kind of some evidence for a true statement. But in uh, that statement, that's not really worship, per se. I'm just saying something that may or may not be true. But if I was to go out and buy every bit of Dodgers merch that exists in the world, like redress everything in my world blue um, and white, if I was to sell all my stuff and buy, use all that money to buy a season ticket to the Dodgers, if I was to move next to Dodgers Stadium, if I was to watch every ball of every innings of every game, um, if my emotions were totally consumed with whether the Dodgers were winning or losing, well, I'm probably describing some of you right now. Uh, <laughs> then 
I would probably be described as a worshipper of the Dodgers because I am giving it its highest value because my whole life is caught up in the Dodgers. I would be a passionate worshipper of the Dodgers. Now, here's the thing, right? We are all worshippers. We're all worshippers. Every human being is a worshipper of something. John Wimber, who founded the Vineyard Movement, who's a a lecturer here at Fuller for many years as well, he says this, our heart's desire should be to worship God. We've been designed by God for this purpose. But if we don't worship God, we will worship something or someone else. Every human being worships something. Uh, Some human beings are absolutely fantastic at worshiping themselves. Like the project self-movement. I am the most important thing. The whole world revolves around me. All my time, my money, resources, my emotions are all based on how to make sure that I am the most important person. Um, Some of us worship other people. Uh, We can worship our spouses. Obviously, Laura has that problem. Not true. It's a joke. joke. (laughs) Some of us worship spouses. She does not. Some of us worship children. Some of us can worship our careers or our cars, mentioning no names. Some of us worship possessions or celebrities or substances. Some of those things are good things. Some of those things are bad things. But to worship something is to really ask the question, what gets our very best? What gets the very best of who we are? And as Christians, we recognize that our calling, that who we are, is designed so that we give God the very best. It's who we are created for. Um, John Piper, who is not a worship leader, a fairly serious uh, kind of older dude, uh, says this. You might be surprised by what he says. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Mission exists because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not mission, because God is ultimate, not man. When the age is over, countless millions of the redeemed will fall on their faces before the throne of God. Missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. What did he just say? Did he just say that mission is not important and we should not do mission? No, of course he didn't say that. And at Vintage, we describe ourselves as a missional community. We are here to help people know about Jesus. But what John Piper is saying is that mission exists in the world so that people can worship God. It exists to help other people experience the reality of God and fall on their knees to worship him. And one day when we get to heaven, we won't need mission anymore because those people who are in heaven will be the people who are going to be in heaven. And what are we going to spend eternity doing, John Piper says? We're going to spend eternity worshipping God. If you read through the book of Revelation, it's a story of worship of God. People falling on their faces before the Lord and pouring out worship after worship after worship. Um, I don't know if that puts you off heaven in any way or it entices you towards heaven in any way, but that's the story that the Bible gives you. Jesus is asked by these people one day, like, what's the most important thing? What's the most important law? And Jesus says, point 1A, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. So when we think about worship, 
we really have to start with this sense that it is all about God. It is giving God of the very best, the very first of all that we are as human beings. And we respond to that sense of a good, beautiful, amazing, fantastic God. So rule of life, worship, how does, how does this all work? Well, first thing we want to say, and I've only got two things to say, I want to give some time to actually spend some time in God's presence this morning. The first thing I want to say is that worship is a whole life pursuit. Like, if worship is to ascribe something great and high value, Paul wants to tell us in today's reading, which we just read to us from Ephesians 5, that we are called to express it in how we live. He says, um, Ephesians 5, verse 8, live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. He then goes on and says in verse 15, be careful then how you live. The primary way that we express worship is not actually how what we sing or what we say or what we pray. It's actually how we live. Um, if uh, you go to the book of Matthew, uh, Jesus is talking to these Pharisees one day, and the Pharisees were these guys who just so absolutely fantastic at doing the acts of worship, of singing songs and praying prayers and wearing the right clothes and going to these very long church services. And yet Jesus says to them in Matthew 15, he says, these people, these Pharisees, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are very far from me. They worship me in vain. Basically, their worship is zero. It has zero value whatsoever because they have disconnected the acts of worship with the lifestyle of worship. Um, We've been uh, talking in our family recently about about solar systems and universes and all that kind of stuff and learning where the planets are. Um, And assuming uh, you're not a flat earth theorist. If you are a flat earth theorist, then we can, we can talk later about that. Um, but assuming you're not, you will believe that this planet that we're standing on right now orbits around the sun, right? The reason we have day, the reason we have night, the reason we have seasons, all of these things are a byproduct of the fact that our world revolves around the sun. And the reason the world can give light is because of the light and the heat and the warmth, the energy that comes from the sun to earth. But as Christians, what we reflect on in our worship is actually that our lives also reflect around another. And we don't revolve around the S-U-N. This is a really bad joke, by the way. We revolve around the S. O-N, right? That's what the Christian life says, is that my life, the whole of who I am, revolves around God. That the reason I can do anything, the reason I can give uh, life to other things, the reason that I have energy for other things is all based around the fact that my life revolves around God's life. And so this is the question I want you to think about this morning. Who gets your best? Who gets your best. You know, if, if people cut you through the middle, what would they find other than bones and blood and things like that? Right? You know, what gets the very best of who you are? You know, if someone looked at your credit card statement or your bank account or they looked at your calendar for 2020 or 2021, would they find a story that tells a story of a great God or would they find a story that speaks about something else other than God? Romans 12 says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, 
in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. In today's passage, Paul says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Center your life around God and his presence and power, and then everything else will find its place. Um, probably about 10 years ago now, um, I was uh, working in, in the car industry in the United Kingdom. I was running a, a small business for a very mad multimillionaire who was the, the major shareholder. And uh, one day he kind of called me in for this meeting, and it was kind of a review meeting. And he said to me, right, Ben, the company's doing really well, but I want to know about you. I thought, oh, help, here we go. He said, you know, you've done this, you've run this business, it's going very well, but what are you going to spend the rest of your life investing into? What do you want to do in future? Do you want to keep running a small business, or are we going to start a new business? What are we going to do? And uh, very foolishly, and I've reflected on this very many times in my life, um, I said to him, because I knew by that point, I said, well, here's the thing. Um, I love running this business. I love everything about this. But if I'm honest, I know that I'm called to something else. I know that I was made for something else. And I know that if we're talking about like five years or 10 years, actually, I think I'm going to go and go to seminary and go into the church. Now, that was not a good career move. It would be fair to say, did not go well, that conversation. My, my uh, major shareholder was not a Christian, as far as I know, is not a Christian. Thought I was completely and absolutely crazy. Almost kicked me out of the office in that moment. Because to him, it was like, what are you doing? You're supposed to be on this career path. We're supposed to be investing in you. We're going to make you rich. You're going to be powerful. You're going to have all these things that the world tells you you could be. And for me, I was like, I don't care about those things because I believe that God called me to a particular story of discipleship and worship, and nothing else really gets in the way of those things. Now, for me, it was easy in that moment to say that hard in the months and the years that followed that in that business before I went to seminary. But you might not be called to go to seminary. You might not be called to being a pastor. But every moment of every day, you make tiny little choices that talk about the kind of God or kind of thing that you want to worship. Whom are you giving your very, very best to in 2021? 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Paul says it's not even about what you do, it's about how you do what you do. That in 2021, if you are on furlough, if you are a homeschool mum, if you have COVID right now, all of those things exist in our community today, um, if you have to drive to work tomorrow morning or you will be on a Zoom call, if you are taking out the trash this week, you have an opportunity to worship God in your attitude, in your heart, in the way that you make the choices that you make. Mother Teresa famously says, every morning I meditate on Jesus, and then I go and look for him in disguise in my life. Every morning I meditate on Jesus, and then I go and look for him in disguise. So when you're thinking about a rule of life, maybe you might want to think a little bit about what it means to worship God on Zoom. <laughs> what it means to worship God in every other part of the rule of life that you have written. How will God be centered in your rest, 
in your work, in your activity, in your praying, in your relationships in 2021. And uh, if you're not sure yet, maybe take out your calendar. Maybe take out your credit card statement. Maybe take out your bank account. Sit in prayer with it and ask God, how might I worship you in all these things that I am this year? So, worship is a lifestyle, but worship is also song. How do those things fit together, right? How can worship be this whole thing? And also, when we come to church, we do this thing that's on my right here. We, we sing. Why does that even make sense? How does that work? Well, here's the thing, right? You can only worship what you love. You can only worship what you love. If this morning you're tuning in or you're here and you don't believe God is real, you can't worship him. If you believe God is real but you think he's a really mean, old, horrible person who's looking down on you to judge you, you will not worship him. What you might do is be very scared and feel like you need to sing some songs so he doesn't smite you or something like that, but you can't worship him. You can only worship the thing that you love in every part of your, your heart. So um, Laura and I, right, we've been married 13 years. Praise Jesus that she said yes in a weak moment. I mean, we all can just give thanks for that, I think, today. Praise Jesus for the lady who is so far outside of my league that she uh, is with me. Um, but I know because all of the marriage textbooks and relationship counseling and all that stuff tells me and tells all of us, that in order for me to have a great relationship with Laura, it's not enough just for me to make choices about what's in my bank account or what I'm going to do with my days. I know that for my relationship with Laura to thrive, I need moments regularly, and probably don't have enough, of great intimacy and love, right? I need moments when I can look Laura in the eye and say, I love you, where I can hear her, where I can connect with her, where we can experience each other's presence in our life. That's the kind of emotion that fuels our marriage life, and it's the same with worship. If worship is going to be a lifestyle, then it has to come out of a place of great connection and intimacy with God. If it doesn't, it's dry and it's hard and it's horrible religion. But if it comes out of a place of encounter, of looking God in the eye, of who he is and getting a revelation of who he is, then we can start to worship in every part of who we are. And that's what we do when we sing together in churches. Now, um, I'm not a neuroscientist. I have no idea how singing works. I'm not very good at it. And I don't know about what it is that music does into the human soul. But I bet you, you could all tell me about your favorite piece of music. I bet you could all tell me about your favorite song. Throughout history, humans have used song to express truth and the reality of something, but also, more importantly, and this is certainly true if you ever listen to something in the Billboard charts nowadays, the, the truth is rather vague, but the emotion, that connection, right, of heart and head and soul that all comes together when we come into a place of singing is something beautiful, right? It's something amazing. And that's what we do when we, we come to worship. We are, we are concerned with truth. We're concerned with theology. We're concerned with getting a better revelation about who God is. But we're also concerned with an encounter, 
of God. We're concerned with our hearts coming alive and falling in love with Jesus again. G.K. Chesterton, old English guy, uh, said, let your religion be less of a theory and more of a love affair. Now, some of us love this, right? You come to church and you're like, give me some worship songs. Shut up the rest of you. You're just taking away time for me to sing and make music to Jesus and he's my favorite and I want to sing to him. That's why you you come to church. Um, Others of you come to church and you're like, can you just get the singing done? Can Can we just not do that anymore? It's not very easy anyway, so let's just get it out of the way so we can get down to the truth stuff. Like, I'm an English dude. I come from a family of engineers, scientists, doctors, people like that. Uh, I am not naturally programmed to sing and be expressive and emotional in, in like the way that I encounter other human beings. You know, like when I first saw people in worship and like these rooms packed full of people with their arms open and they were like singing and crying, I thought, what is wrong with these people? It's like, why are they leaking from their eyes? Something is bad. Something must go have gone wrong in this room. What I came to realize is that as we encounter Jesus, as we sing, actually it connects our hearts. And all the time, I do need a greater revelation of truth. I do need to know more about the Bible. I do need to know more of who God is. But I also, all the time, need God to wrench open my heart a little bit more, to open my soul a little bit more, to experience his presence in every part of who I am. And here's the amazing thing about worshiping God is as we make those steps toward God in worship, God, the prodigal God, runs towards us. As we like falteringly say, I love you, Jesus, you're fantastic. He opens up our eyes. He opens up our hearts by the Holy Spirit to get the kind of revelation of the kind of God he is, to see the kind of way that the world really works. That's why sometimes in worship we'll sing and then we'll pause because we'll sense that the Holy Spirit is moving. We sense that he's revealing something, that he's saying something, and then we'll sing a little bit more, or we'll get caught on a chorus, or we get caught on a verse, or we get caught on a line, because we're realizing that as we come towards God, God comes towards us, and worship becomes this beautiful dance, this intimate dance of God revealing, of God speaking, of God healing us. And as we do that, amazingly, you know, that world that we think revolves around us, or it revolves around COVID, or it revolves around the inauguration, or the economy, or whatever else is, we realize in that moment of beauty, of love, that the world doesn't revolve around us. It revolves around God. And everything else starts to line up in our world. So singing, worship, intimacy in music or prayer is so part of the story of worship. And by the way, it's very biblical. Um, If you come from particular church traditions, you will believe or have been told that all of that kind of expressive stuff is very dangerous. It's all very emotional. It's very contrived. But actually throughout history in the Bible, people have been expressive in worship. Um, If you go to Psalm 95, you will read of people kneeling in an act of submission in worship. Let's worship and bow down. Let's kneel before the Lord. Um, If you go to Deuteronomy 9, you'll read about people lying down in the dirt in worship as an act of incredible submission to the holiness of God. 
Um, If you go to Psalm 47, you will read about people clapping in worship. Whatever happened to clapping in worship, right? There used to be a time when you came to church and people clapped. There was this kind of clapping, and then there was this kind of clapping, which was kind of for subtle, cool people. And now there is no clapping. You know, not allowed to clap anymore in church. I don't know what happened to clapping. I think it went the same way that flag waving went in churches. That might be a good thing. That's just a joke, joke, sorry. Um, if you go uh, to Psalm 63, you will read about people lifting their hands in worship. You often see this at Vintage. You often see me doing this. Because actually when we, we worship, we realize with our whole bodies, we're acknowledging that God is in charge. That God is good. That God is high and lifted up. And by the way, guess what? I'm not. And that's an act of worship. Um, we read about dancing. Before there was TikTok in the world, there was dancing. You know who you are, TikTok people in Vintage. Jeremiah 31, go in faith, go forth in dance. You read about people shouting. There's just a wonderful sense of expressiveness. And, and for Vintage, we want to be that kind of community, just being honest. We want to be the kind of community that is so absolutely wedded to the truth of who God is, but we also want to be people who are regularly getting that encounter with the Holy Spirit that opens our hearts a little bit more to know who God is. Now, here's the thing, though. I know, you know, it's hard right now. Let's just kind of name it. You know, when you could gather in an auditorium in a dark room when the music was really loud and nobody could hear you sing, it was kind of easy to go for it because you knew no one was watching you, right? Now that you are at home, on your couch, sitting next to maybe a family member, or you're here with a face mask on, worship feels difficult, right? It's just like it's not quite the same as it used to be. But I am challenged, and I had to remind myself of this all the time. Worship is a choice. If we can't worship with face masks on, we can't worship next to our cat or next to our family members, then have we really understood what worship is? I know that. That's a bit harsh, right? We are invited to take the most tentative of steps towards God and God's promises as we come towards him he will rush towards us because he loves us.